0: In some countries, voting is mandatory. Australia comes to mind. I don't know how it works exactly. I believe in democracy, but only with an educated populace. Stupid, uninformed voters are easily manipulated and cajoled into voting for a very undesirable candidate and this is tantamount to a dictatorship. Or some sort of totalitarianism. I mean, what is a vote if you can just buy it, you know? I think democracy works when we all agree about the facts and what's at stake and what's on the table and what our choices are. This is obvious in our daily lives when we're trying to choose a restaurant, for instance. We can vote on what we want. We all have the same goal, which is to eat something, to satiate our hunger. And we all have similar values like enjoying ourselves, nutrition, not spending too much money, depending on the occasion, etc. And I don't know why governance is so much more difficult than that. It doesn't have to be. It's just that power dynamics obfuscate the situation so that we don't actually understand what we're looking at. So let's just talk about this upcoming U.S. election. I'm recording this a few weeks out, and I'm in the process of voting myself. And I'm going to share with you my uh, insecurities and admit my false, perhaps. I am not an excited voter. I have done a podcast here tepidly endorsing Joe Biden for president. I'm not that excited about Joe Biden as president, as an old man. Ten years ago, I would have been a little more excited. And if I didn't know everything about him (laughs) that I've seen on the internet, perhaps that would also help. But that was covered in the last episode. In this one, I want to talk about voting itself and what it's like for me personally. I was born in California, but I've voted for most of my life in New York State as a New Yorker, where I am still registered in Brooklyn. But I don't live there anymore. I live in Germany. I cannot vote in Germany, though more and more I wish... I was. I feel a little more invested in my local politics and even European politics than I often do in the U.S. Well, that's not true. I mean, if you listen to this, you know that I speak about U.S. issues vastly more. And it's true. I will always be an American. But what I mean to say is that I really appreciate the sensibilities of Europeans and the more nuanced discussions that can be had Uh, In terms of, for instance, federal power or continental power, immigration, health care. These kind of topics are more interesting to me in Europe. But they're obviously universal issues that America is dealing with. And I would love to be part of that conversation, which is why I have this podcast, to converse about such topics. It's just very disheartening to face an election between these two senile guys, (laughs) neither of whom really uh, represent me as a voter. And then there's all these other aspects, like the technicalities of the election and how much my vote means anything. I'll tell a quick story from 2016 so it was the same situation it was two candidates hillary clinton versus trump who i didn't really care too much about trump was already terrible then and i knew that i did not want him to be president for sure i would i would even say that my feelings at the time were stronger than they are now nowadays i think that his Villainy is overblown and that the last four years have been very bad, (laughs) but not specifically because of his policies. It's like an equal amount of some bad things he's done and Trump derangement syndrome, which is this (sighs) phrase used to describe the reactionary behavior of people on the left, Democrats in response to Trump that I actually find even more insufferable if I'm honest. Trump himself is not a good president at all. He can't hold a cabinet together, you know, every month or so. There's some new drama in his own, you know, his own people. Um, and in terms of what he's done, I would like to actually speak to somebody that knows better and get into the policy issues. I, I challenge my dad on this topic often. And the number one thing, my takeaway has been that he's appointed some very bad judges throughout the district courts, not just Supreme Court, but like throughout the country. And I buy that. I can accept that the Republican machine has been churning out terrible people in power under the guise of this leader who is wearing the Republican hat. So it's bad. That's more of a Republican issue than a Trump issue. But I would say, like, my number one knock against Trump is that he's Republican. If he was Democrat and doing this stuff, he would still be a bad guy in terms of, like, his presentation to the world stage, his demeanor, his bravado and bluster, uh, which includes these off-the-cuff sexist and racist comments. Um, I've talked before that these aren't the things that really bother me. That, of course, they sound bad, but like, I don't know. I don't I don't take them to be the be-all and end all in terms of what happens in the country. and I don't really care what someone like Trump really believes in his heart per se. I think the president is there as a figurehead and to guide legislation and guide the country in certain directions. And I object to him, absolutely on those grounds. Hillary I thought would do fine, for sure, but I understood the criticisms about her too, that she was unlikable, shrill, corrupt. I actually like Hillary. I feel bad that she is such a failed politician now, disgraced, having lost to Trump in an election that was easily hers to win. That was sad. But did I vote for Hillary Clinton? I'm going to admit it to you. I did not. And the reason I did not is because it was very complicated and not necessarily worth it for me. And I'm going to explain why. And I'm in the same situation now, which is why I'm explaining why. So living in Berlin means that I have to vote absentee. Voting absentee is already fraught with question marks. Will my vote even get counted? I've seen news stories of bags and bags of military votes sitting there on the office floors of whatever county official whatever or even on ships yet to arrive and elections are decided you know like elections get decided i remember being in california before the california votes were even counted elections are complicated and they differ they vary wildly depending on what it's for you know if you're voting online for a poll to like see some tv winner or something like That has more immediacy and more actual effect with your vote than the U.S. presidential election. The U.S. presidential election is simply a super complicated, super flawed system. Wherein the electoral college, that's um, the 50 states each having some representatives that actually vote. They make the decision. And each state has various amounts. California has the most. And its electors are the voters. And they are supposedly representing their people. So I don't know how this works exactly. It's not really worth getting into. But let's say that California has 55 electoral votes. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like that it's something like that. Versus Wyoming's like two or four or whatever it is. So its 55 electors are going to vote for Biden, period. That's not up for debate. It's not, they're not going to get bought off by Trump's machine. They're not going to suddenly have a change of heart. They are part of the Democratic machine and it's reliable. Like it's one thing that people can bet their savings on. And it's the same with New York. New York's uh, like number two or three, I think, after Texas in terms of electoral votes. And they will go to Biden. Period, So it becomes a question of adding up these electoral college votes. And the reason Trump was able to beat Hillary last time is that he won every single disputed, uh, let's call it, um, what's that word? Um, What's the state when it doesn't have an allegiance uh, swing state? He won all of the swing states, which was really unpredictable. Like no one was predicting that. Nate Silver is, like, the preeminent uh, polling wonk or policy, not policy, uh, like, calculating guy, statistics guy. He runs the website five thirty eight. And he was the only one that was factoring in all these crazy little details in terms of, like, why so many people assumed Hillary would win and what they were overlooking in terms of polling disparities and all this. And he put it at a one third chance Trump could win 33%. Everyone else put it under 10%. So um, they did that because they're looking at every state and it's electoral college votes and they were doing all the math on that. And Trump had to win Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, um, and some others. And it was unlikely he would because Obama won all of those the last two times. And so it was hard for people to believe that Trump could swing Obama voters. And he did. He did that. Or rather, Hillary failed to, um continue the democratic momentum with Obama voters. She didn't canvass hard and campaign hard in the, in the great Lake States. She took it for granted and she didn't appeal to what a lot of voters needed to hear, which was more working class anxieties and uh, yeah, job securities automation, which could be confused for immigration in terms of threatening jobs. Um, she didn't address uh the economy well enough to protect um these kind of voter anxieties and trump did i mean i think it actually comes down to that i think it's kind of that simple i could go further and elaborate and say that hillary was too divisive made too big of a deal of her womanhood and too big of a deal of all the fractured democratic party constituencies the black vote the latin american vote the youth vote, instead of just speaking very clearly about obvious middle class democratic values like health care, like a living wage, like access to education. I mean, it's not hard to be a Democrat. I don't know why they make it so hard. Okay, all that said, I expected Hillary to win easily. She won the popular vote, even without my technical one additional, but she lost the Electoral College even though she won my state's electoral college votes. Do I feel bad not voting for Hillary? Well, not really, because it's the same in the end. And I didn't need for myself to do that. Sometimes, like with Obama, like I felt a need. like I felt a part of something. I felt a real part of a movement of sorts. And... I was a little less jaded then, in 2008. I absolutely hated George W. Bush, worst president in my life, I still believe that. And I was so happy to even go to Pennsylvania, to Philadelphia, and help kind of canvas for him. But even then, I had like, a little more realism than my idealist friends who were actually door-to-door campaigning for Obama. I mean, Philadelphia, is Democrat, it's Western uh, Pennsylvania that is Republican that needed canvassing. So I think sometimes we do things just for signaling our own virtue. And I think that's what I'm wanting to talk about now is that voting right now is a virtue signal. It means that you take civic duty responsibly, which is good, and that you want people to know that. You want people, and you want to tell people to do the same. You want to shame them if they're not civic responsible and maybe that's good too I think there is a lot of apathy that should be fought and I'm now in this position where I can feel my apathy being challenged and I'm giving in I'm giving in so I was planning to do the same as I did last year which is to basically sit it out to not broadcast it it's not that I'm proud to not vote I don't want to tell people to not vote people should vote like In life, in general, you should make your position clear. I don't believe in hiding in the corners of abstaining from certain things. Unless it's like a very tricky circumstance where you really are on the fence or you really, you know, if you really don't care. And I do care. I don't want Donald Trump to be president anymore. So... And the reason that I, you know, I have a Republican friend or two, or people at least that vote will vote for Trump, so I should address them real quickly here. And I'm sorry if this has made it made too quickly. I don't want the Republican machine to continue hurting the country, and I believe that it is. I believe specifically that Mitch McConnell hurts the country, but um, I do think that Trump really. Greece is the the machine of the evil Re- Republican Party, and I do think it's evil. I think it's fundamentally rotted and sociopathic. That uh, you know, it features just bought-out politicians. I just you know, I finished watching the Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix finally, and um, Alexander Acosta is evil. This is a man that let Jeffrey Epstein walk free and totally betrayed the Constitution and due process and gave this man freedom to continue uh, victimizing young girls. I shouldn't even say young girls. I should say kids, you know, I mean like R. Kelly age kids. So, That's evil. And that's Republicanism. That's not Republicanism. That's the Republican party to turn the other way, to be bought out, to take Jeffrey Epstein's money. This is what I hate. And Donald Trump fits that bill. That's why I hate him. He's corrupt. He's a buffoon. He doesn't inspire any confidence or pride in me. And I'm a pretty jaded person who obviously doesn't care too much about his country being an expat living abroad now. But I do care, and I, I'm a proud of our Constitution and our uh, Bill of Rights and what America supposedly stands for. I'm proud of those things, and I, I want to see it succeed. I want to see progress. I believe in progress. I believe, in, I believe we're better off now than we were 50 years ago, and that's what I tell activists that seem to forget that. I don't think this is a totally rotted system to the core. I don't think it's built on you know, the exploited backs of slaves and indigenous people. Of course, there's that too. There is that too. I recognize that. But it's not like that fundamentally means the whole system must be thrown out. So I believe in bettering the country through an election. (laughs) So, okay, I think more people need to think that way. And I think that's what's fundamentally the issue. Not voting specifically. Voting specifically comes down to details. Where are you registered to vote? Where do you live, first of all? And then can you get registered to vote? All right, so this is what I want to actually be talking about today. Each state has its own rules, for better or worse. And those rules can be really complicated. And they can be complicated for a few reasons, for different reasons, the cynical reasons are something like racism or corruption, voter disenfranchisements, uh, gerrymandering. It's people in power deciding how to keep power and how to disenfranchise certain constituents, black, poor, uh, young, or whatever, who they think won't support them. So you do that by saying, well, I don't want these voters to count toward me, so let's put them into that guy's voting section, even though it doesn't make sense geographically. Let's just gerrymander the lines and be make it like that. So that's one way, and I hate that. And we need election reform, electoral. We need election reform on every lo- level starting local all the way up for that thing. Gerrymandering. We like specifically, but just like districts design and the way that we get represented. That's the bottom line. We need to be represented properly and efficiently and in a way that makes sense. And then we need to be able to vote without undue stress or difficulty because people are not going to do something that's too hard. And that's the position I'm in now. It's very hard for me to vote because I have to first request an absentee ballot even though I did it already even though they know the deal I've told them already I have to request a ballot to be sent to Germany I can't do it by proxy in the states I can't have my friends or parents send in my vote for me which is fair enough I have to send it in I have to get it first I can't request it online some states can in New York I have to mail in a request. And they have to mail it back to me. I don't think this is racist. I think this is antiquated technology. I think this is just bloated bureaucracy. I think this is a stupid, outdated system. And it sucks. It sucks for me as a privileged person. It sucks for everybody. It's awful. In dense places, you have longer queues if you go to vote in person. You have to like wait an hour maybe. That's stupid. That's really stupid. I've always waited a long time to vote. If you live in a rural place, you can just go there and nobody's there and that's nice. These are the kind of things that make voting unappealing. It's also on a Tuesday. Most people, generally speaking, are working on Tuesdays. Why is it on a Tuesday? Why isn't it a federal holiday? Why is it so hard to do it? It's partly by design, right? It's partly that people don't want you to do it. But that's not racial per se. There are other laws like you have to have a valid picture ID. This is claimed to be like disenfranchising of, I don't know. I don't know what group can't get a picture ID. Every group can do that. That doesn't seem like a big deal to me. Just get one. But I would say, yes, why are we putting like barriers up to vote? It's stupid. Not only should it be easy, it should be compulsory. And I don't, it should just be very easy to vote. But I get that like it shouldn't be <laughs> it shouldn't be as easy as breathing and it shouldn't be corruptible like if you're like doing it online I've heard the argument that you can hack it and that's even more you know vulnerable to cyber attacks or you know meddling and I get those points plus it should be technically easy to pull the lever but you should still be qualified to do it and maybe when you put barriers up you Those barriers do serve this purpose of proving your bona fides, your qualifications to vote. Like, you have to know what you're doing. You should know what you're doing. And I don't trust voters that don't know what they're doing. I worry that their vote has just been, they've been brainwashed to vote in either direction. I don't think that's good. You should know what you're voting for and why you're doing it. Okay. So, I have requested my ballot. It's very hard to do that. Then, New York State has to send me a ballot. I don't know what that ballot will look like. I know that I have the two obvious choices, Joe Biden, Democrat, Donald Trump, Republican, but there are more choices. Even though we live in a quote two party system, there are other parties, especially in New York. I was um, registered as a working families member for, for many years. Now I'm not, now I'm just independent or non registered, which I feel actually more comfortable with. There are other candidates that run. There are spoiler candidates. And there's also write-in candidates. I will write in my own choice. And I don't know who that will be. It'll probably be Andrew Yang because he's the one I've been singing praises for in the last two years. But I also am really drawn to Marianne Williamson, who also run as a Democrat. She's a kind of a spiritual writer. And she's cool, she says smart things, she's interesting. I also don't agree with 100% of what she says, but I like her, I like her more than Joe Biden. Obviously she won't win, that's not the point here. I am talking out loud as an individual. If I was talking as just a a representative of a group, I would have to say that that group would be Democrat. I want people to vote Democrat. but. I don't really think I'm speaking to that swing voter in Wisconsin. I think I'm talking to that overeducated, thoughtful New Yorker who also wants Joe Biden in office over Trump. But I just ask you, do you really feel inspired and proud to cast your vote for Joe Biden, knowing that your state will go Joe Biden anyway? Wouldn't it be interesting to actually consider who you really believe in, what you really believe in, and which either uh, party or candidate might represent your beliefs the most? I think that's an interesting question. And I actually think the answer for a lot of people is none of the above, which is why we have so much apathy and why most people don't vote and why in 2016... Did not vote, won by a landslide against the other actual parties. That's a problem, but it's not my fault as a non voter. And by the way, I've never been a non voter. Just, well, <laughs> I guess I've admitted I've been a non voter at least once in 2016. But in general, like I voted in every other presidential election that I qualified for. I believe in voting, but I just think at some point, you won't do it even if you believe in it because it's too hard and when it's too hard that's not your fault you've been it's been designed against you so it's kind of I make this point with a lot of things in life recycling is a good example or like global warming in general climate change or the environmentalism rather like it's put on us the onus is put on individuals to not buy plastic straws and if you buy a, if you drink from a plastic straw, you're a bad person. If you take a plastic bag from the grocery store, you're a bad person. If you don't recycle properly, you're a bad person. And I just don't buy that at all. I agree that individuals should do what they can. I of course agree with that. And the argument is always made. What if everybody thought like that? Well, of course. So like, if, like, if we're talking about general population behavior and what we want the default to be, I'm with you guys. Let's promote um, good environmental practices. Let's promote recycling, generally. Let's promote voting. But we're individuals. I value my autonomy. I need to be convinced why I'm doing something. Why am I separating not only paper from plastic, but in Germany, glass and uh, glass, like clear and colored glass, like... If you have wine bottles, you have to separate them in Germany from your white wine and your red wine. Like that's how crazy it goes in Germany. And it's cool because it's good. It's like we should, I don't know the details scientifically, what happens to glass when you put it in a recycling bin. I'm going to hope that it's not the cynical thing I've seen before in the States where it's all put into the same thing anyways. (laughs) And that it's taken to some plant where it's then refined or maybe picked through by super impoverished people, whatever, like, I don't know the system. But I know that it's not as simple as, oh, then these white glass bottles are taken just easily to this place where they're just, I don't know, melted down and made into new white glass bottles. The point is that I want to reduce and reuse things. And glass can be reused. So how do we do that? Great. If I put it there, it works. If I put it into the trash bin, it doesn't work supposedly. I still think it probably does get recycled somehow, but maybe not. Okay, but one glass out of a million isn't going to make a difference. You're not a bad person if you like skip one day or if you're a vegetarian and you eat one meal with meat. You're not a bad person. Compare it to what actually matters in the world, which is industry, which is corporate policy, the vast, overwhelming majority of waste and pollution, water waste, uh, greenhouse gases and emissions, it comes from industry. It comes from huge plants and industrial buildings and factories. It doesn't come from your apartment. It's absurd that people, like, they put such a weight on their soul, like they're bad because they didn't vote, they didn't recycle properly, they ate meat. It's not the fault of the individual. I refuse to accept that. And that's not to skirt responsibility. It's not to forgive every sin. That's not my point. If we really actually want change, we have to vote for legislation that changes industry and corporate behavior. That's how you change the environment, not by, like, turning the water off when you brush your teeth. Like, you think you're doing something good. And technically, it is a drop in a huge, huge bucket. That's true. But you're doing that for you. You're doing that so that you feel environmentally friendly and not wasteful. And it's the same with voting. You do that for you to feel civically responsible to assure yourself that you've done the right thing, that you've done your duty. And you have, you've done that, and I want to do that too. But it's a drop in the bucket compared to how things happen in power, how people get elected. It's Joe Biden's job. It's not my job. It's Joe Biden's job to inspire confidence and excitement the way Obama did. Obama made it a pleasure to wait in line for an hour in Brooklyn to vote because we believed in him. Joe Biden doesn't do that. Hillary Clinton doesn't do that. Apparently Donald Trump does that for some people, which is quite maddening. But that's worth investigating and understanding, not just scrutinizing. Okay, all this to say, individuals like me have it rough it's not so simple as just doing what you're supposed to do ticking the box and being done with it it's not that simple there is a lot of work for me personally i have to investigate how to vote from abroad that's hard to do actually i made a google search it turned up a lot of sites i clicked through a lot of them there's a lot of clashy information because people don't know how to communicate people don't know how to design a website that communicates it effectively i did find this form in the end that is the thing that i need to send into new york so that was good it's uh, a standard form 76 by the way the voter registration and absentee ballot request federal postcard application fpca i filled it out sent it in okay that took an hour of my life just to request a ballot And I barely managed to do it. And I feel slightly shamed into doing it, given how much stigma there is to not vote. But if you really think about the people that don't vote, it is the disenfranchised worker who is hurt the most by the Republican Party, for instance. That person is the one that doesn't want to vote. That might be me. I'm a slightly disenfranchised worker. Um, I don't know about that, actually. I'll take that back. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to go into an analysis of what those words mean, but let's forget that. I am facing friction just to cast a vote, and I don't even know who I'll cast it for. And my only goal is to feel that sense of inner... Peace that comes with standing up and representing myself. That's what I'm after. And I don't expect a reward. I I expect I won't be rewarded because nobody will stand up for me. If I cast my vote for Andrew Yang, it won't mean anything. I mean, he's not on the ballot anymore, like he was for the primaries. So he'll be written in. How many people will do that? (laughs) hundred, So it is meaningless in that sense. But I don't buy the argument that I should therefore vote for Biden because it's equally meaningless. It's equally meaningless. If Joe Biden loses the popular vote by one vote, (laughs) which could be feasibly mine, he could still win the presidency or lose, as we've seen proven. So if we had an actual popular vote count election, like every other place in the world has, okay, maybe I would vote for Joe Biden in a winner-take-all two-party system if it was literally like that, which people think it is. I know that a lot of Europeans and Asians think that America is literally a two-party system where the top vote-getter becomes president, and it's just not true. It's not true. It's technically not a two-party system. It's just that we have two majority major parties. And we don't have a first-past-the-post winner takes it all. We have an electoral college. So, knowing all that, knowing what I know, why would I vote? Like, why should I? It's only to either appease all the propaganda that is targeting me, shaming me if I don't vote, and... I don't I don't need to hear that, (laughs) you know, it's really to appease my own inner sense of peace and to stand up for myself and to do what I believe in, which is to speak up. That's what I believe in. That's why I'm speaking now to you in this podcast. I believe in speaking up and I believe in standing up for the right thing. It's just that the right thing is complicated. The right thing is not always turning off the water while you brush your teeth, or to order tofu instead of chicken. That doesn't mean that it's the right thing. It just it that just falls in line with your other major values of, uh, you know, combating waste and combating climate change and combating animal cruelty. Like, it we can believe in those things, but find minor inconsistencies in our daily lives that don't make us hypocrites. It doesn't make us a hypocrite. Wasting water is a very complicated issue. It's extremely complicated. I, 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 I don't know if I should try and go into it now. It's probably its own podcast. But running a shower for another five minutes is not going to ruin the planet. It's just not going to do that. That water is replenishable. We have technologies to convert gray water into drinking water. We can reuse gray water from the shower in toilets. We can figure out uh, better um, desalination techniques for the ocean. That's progressing. We can uh, detoxify certain kinds of you know acidic water. acid rain and the like, we can do a lot of things and the pure water that runs so graciously through an amazing modern society from your fountain, that's potable that you can drink, which is so amazing. People don't realize how amazing that is that you can do that. You can drink water from the fountain, depending where you're listening to this. That's fantastic. That's a, it's, it's so, it's such a big deal I, like, I never take it for granted, but I can run it. I can run my water. It's not a problem, and I'm not going to be made to feel like it's a problem, you know? It's a problem when, like, a huge corporation just pours out tons of water. Like, you can watch videos. You can find online. Like, you can watch water being wasted. It's it's insane the the metric tons of water that are wasted compared to, like, the one gallon that you might waste, you know? That's my point. So you can have the value of being against waste and valuing water without scrutinizing every little action in your life. Lighten up about that. You know, like I think we should just loosen up a little bit and accept that individuals are flawed. And that's why our systems are meant to be designed in our best vision. Our systems, our institutions should be made more perfect. Because the individual never can be. Never. I aim to be more perfect, of course, and I'm a perfectionist, and I give myself a hard time in life, believe me. But I won't be perfect. Our systems can be designed better to limit corporate waste, to protect the environment, to clean the water better, in places like India or Detroit, Michigan. This should be the goal of citizens. This is your civic duty to find issues to make a stand on and to research them, to acknowledge all the points, to understand both sides, to understand the sides of an argument. That's what civic duty is. Just casting a vote is nothing. If you're just brainwashed to voting this way because you think whatever, like the Democratic Party stands for you, like that's not a good reason to vote. I'd rather you not vote, frankly. The point, if you want to feel good, if you're a good person, is to understand what you're doing and to weigh it against the real world and be a little practical and pragmatic about it. So it's gotten hard for me to do that as a voter, but I'm doing it. We'll see how it turns out. And I'll leave it there. Until next time. Ciao.